At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey, everybody. Hey, Wade. Hey, Wade. Hey, um, Welcome to Probably Relevant, Possibly Interesting, and also... Porch Talk. Porch Talk. Which... Welcome, everybody. <laughs> um, my name is Wade Leonard. This is Mark Alexander. We're the Probably Relevant guys, and, and our very good friend, Alan Aldridge, is coming to join us and has kindly um, agreed to dual cast this this show so alan good to see you man man it's great to see you i'm glad that uh that y'all are doing this it wasn't so long ago uh you came on mine and it was the most shared episode of this year on spotify i assume that means you had like four people share it <laughs> <laughs> i don't know man i thought it was a great conversation well, I, yeah, and I, it thought, I thought it bounced around the golden triangle in a way that you and i probably didn't imagine it would i i mean i th- i appreciate you bringing me on the show in fact this is entirely your fault this is happening right now. <laughs> he had been um trying to get me to do a podcast for many many years and i always found a reason not to mainly technical stuff you know how it is the more you know about something the, the, the more barriers you can you can see and then when you came to my house and we did that show i was like dude what am i doing it's not a lot to it there's not a lot to it i mean you get some decent mics and you find a space and away you can go so thanks alan yeah man my wife is probably irritated at you but <laughs> she told me that last night <laughs> how you feeling mark good good what's been going on to you uh i've been sick are you feeling better now moderately <laughs> i'm improving good. hopefully i'll improve over the next two hours um well let's let's just do this then um since you know our audience is is much smaller than yours but but you know for the benefit of those who have no idea who you are tell us a little bit about yourself Al. all right of uh, local idiots of uh, podcaster singer songwriter somewhat of a folk artist i released a vinyl uh coming up uh maybe a year and a half two years ago now and i appreciate you giving me a copy of it it's beautiful Appreciate that, man. And I've been running a podcast called Porch Talk for over five years now. Yeah. And the the reason behind it was I was living down in Mobile for six years, and I hadn't caught up with friends of mine from this area Mm -hmm. uh, for about that period of time. And so when my chapter there was winding down, family health was getting kind of low, so I was like, I'm going to move back home. So I started reconnecting with those friends. We would wind up on a porch, and uh, we would be talking about the daily, just catching up. Yeah. 
and then man i've been working on this song the keyboard or the guitars would come out and after we had done that a few times i thought we had something and so i had just got started getting in the podcast so i was like i don't think there's a podcast that exists like this so uh we're gonna give it a go and porch talk was born and it's extremely successful it's it's been doing well yeah well that's amazing um yeah like you i'm also a local idiot um and uh you know i think this is probably gonna be our 14th episode so we're catching up to you man you're on your way <laughs> oh i mean i left out uh i throw music festivals and so here where we sit at munson brothers yep. uh, porch fest 24 april 12th and 13th i would love uh for you to come out if you're out there in the on the interwebs and you've never been to columbus mississippi or maybe you have come out here to Munson Brothers on April 12th and 13th. Tell me a little bit about the festival. How long have you been doing it? What's going on? Five years, almost as long as the podcast. Uh-huh. And so, Did like, the podcast inform the, the festival or did the festival inform the podcast? Podcast informed the festival. Okay. Uh, thanks to Jamie Nettles uh, here. She runs the Sunstroke House, uh, a house venue here in downtown Columbus. Uh, that was the second interview I ever did that stepped off of my porch Yeah. and started stepping off into... Well, let's branch this out and have more people on and get more ideas and see what's going on around town. And I started going to our house shows, and like her whole mission statement was getting bands and singer-songwriters from all over the country who would never heard of Columbus, much less come here. Mm-hmm. And I entered into an NPR Tiny Desk concert. Yeah. And that opens up to a private group on Facebook to where you can collaborate with other people who entered. And so I started getting these musicians from all over the country to come on the podcast via Skype or Zoom or whatever else. And then I thought, like, same thing with Jamie. It's like, wouldn't it be cool if these people from all over the country would come and play in our town and we could trade venues and not only musicians, but you've got comedians coming comedians, in as well. Uh, Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, we're going to have uh, Durag and a Deer Tag. Still working out the logistics for those okay. guys, and that is one of the funniest comedy podcasts. Okay. So uh, I'm hoping those guys will be able to come down and do a live Durag and a Deer Tag for us. Well, that sounds. I mean, I mean that's great. And and what I appreciate is you have a, a particular kind of nobility with what you're doing, which is really about promoting artists around here uh, not just yourself but but giving a lot of people a voice our show doesn't have any of that <laughs> what our show it does now <laughs> yeah it does now that's true um we've known each other for mark 16 20 years something like, something that, like yeah. that and um we are uh, very good at running our mouths, whether we know what we're talking about or not. Is, I remember when you is... came on the show, I, I learned that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but specifically with one another and, um, you know, conversations that would last, you know, hours, you know, into the, in the wee hours of the morning kind of stuff and never seeming to run out of things to talk about with one another. I don't know if it's because we, we, we both are eating up with ADD or what the hell it is. Mm-hmm. Um and so basically this show is just a reflection of that it's a reflection of he and i talking to one another had a good time with it so far man glad y'all do it thanks man um mark you want to tell people who may not have any idea who you are i don't think i've said anything about myself can't you, remember you can okay <laughs> <laughs> i'm a dad i work at a university um 
and uh, you know, I guess uh, uh, I think former writer is probably the best way to put it. And I draw pictures for a bathroom here at Munson and Brothers. That's about it. The most important part. Yeah, the bathroom. The bathroom. <laughs> It's always wild, like hearing people who have never come to Munson's and they step into that bathroom. Yeah. And they're like, what a what the hell is this? <laughs> what what is that? Oh, la- oh, that's our. That's did you read his description <laughs> on the wall by chance? Right. <laughs> his anthology. <laughs> there was a lady in here the other day after you put that Christmas one up yep. that was talking about it, and I said that I said, well, there's a bio in there and a description you can read about the multi-purpose bathroom <laughs> what's taking place in there it's a lot of fun she went back in the bathroom and read it too and or, then left more confused than when she she or she stared at it I'm not sure, i can't tell if she read it or not she definitely See, stared at the as as you get going you're going to have to add this into the bio yeah i guess so i guess Put a little so. qr code right <laughs> um but mark yes who are you Oh, uh, Mark Alexander. Three kids, one wife, live in the country, five businesses that I run. Van down by the river, right? Yeah. Uh, building a tiny house right now. That's about it. He's also an economist. He has been a major um, administrator at a local community college. Um, he's, he's a pretty extraordinary uh, human being, but he's... Never had a bad conversation with Mark. I've had a few of those. But <laughs> Cyclops person? Cyclops, yeah. yeah. Lost my eye when I was a kid. Had cancer when I was a kid. Lost my eye. Rare form of childhood cancer called retinoblastoma. So we talked about it several times, but we never like talked about it. No, I don't think we've. I think this is the first time we're officially revealing. Maybe when Alan's not on here, I'll sit on that side of the table because that's where my blind side is, and we'll just do one where I take my eye out. And just there you go. Witness the horror. Yeah, it's so, not that gross. It's not that gross. I mean, it's like even with my teeth, man. These are these are fake. I had my. Oh really? Yeah, I, I curbs. Well, I took a big bite out of a toolbox when I was eleven. I had just gotten those permanent teeth, and uh, we were headed to baseball practice. I was riding in the back of my grandfather's truck. On our way to pick up a teammate. In the bed of the truck? Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. And uh, it was a perfect 90-degree curve. They're almost non-existent, but this one does exist. They actually created a new road to detour people from going that way uh, after our wreck because it was so horrific. Uh, but it was a perfect head-on collision, which is rare. And uh, we still have the toolbox in the back of the yard where I grew up. Uh, y'all remember the the black hard plastic toolbox? Oh yeah, oh definitely. I had my teeth prints in that. Oh my god, dude! And you said and you were eleven. I was eleven, and it looked like uh, you had uh, not to be too grotesque, but that you had shoved the butt end of a baseball bat, and my gums were forced to the back of my mouth, but no bones were broken, no jaw damage, no nothing. And I mean, just to tell you a little bit about. What I believe how God works was it just so happened to be like one of the best oral surgeons in this area happened to be here in Columbus. Yeah. And fixed me up. Wow. And so I had to wait till 18 and now I have this permanent bridge. Yeah. And um, yeah, that was, a, that was a big part of the high school experience was going through without teeth. So, I mean, did you have dentures or something that you wore? Or? Okay, so... Uh, I had a wire, like braces, yeah. uh, for the first two years till I was 13, 
to kind of help keep because the dentist and orthodontist thought like your teeth are going to try to fill the gap so all your molars and everything are going to begin forcing their way to the front unless we have braces to kind of keep everything in place right and so i went uh sixth grade seventh grade and half of eighth grade with just a wire running across and then uh that came out and i got some dentures that i could put in just like an old person would uh but i ended up opting out of them just because like I fully embraced it as like who I was at that time until un, so until I was eighteen, I just rocked the wire. Were people mean to you? Were people at the beginning? Yeah, yeah. But like, like I said, man, like I, I played baseball, and so it was funny. Like growing up playing, like our rival was burning. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And even by the time you know rivalries and sports, they were nasty to me at first. But like, even as we got to playing in the sportsmanship, man, even they would begin to like quit giving me crap, mm-hmm. and. Man, I was blessed with a good group of friends. Yeah. And, uh, man, everybody, it was a very small school, South Lamar. I graduated with, like, 27 people. And, uh, I mean, yeah, there were some jokes made there at the beginning, but from, I would say, from ninth grade to graduating, it was it was just known. That's who I was. Did it affect your speech at all growing up? No. Did you? you did, okay, no. that's good. I was just kind of thinking, like, now, when I when I got these, man, it, like, having the... A full mouth of teeth at that that was tough really that huh. yeah, was that was interesting getting used to wow now i got nothing like that um i got my nose bro my nose this isn't my really my nose so i mean we got eyes we got teeth we got nose yeah yeah um, we just need an ear guy when i was <laughs> uh when i was 21 i was in this band um it wasn't a very good band. Was Lance Cooper was, involved? Yeah, he was. <laughs> um, what was the name of the band? I'm not telling you because it's terrible. <laughs> it's really bad. I'm not going to say it. Uh, but it was definitely um, a lot of very talented musicians, and then there was me, um, who essentially did a, a, a Tom Waits impression. Uh, the only reason I got in is I'm I'm an okay writer, and I was kind of good at like improvising words, and I would mm. scream into a microphone like Tom Waits and one of the guys who wound up going to Berkeley School of Music um, liked how weird it was. Anyway, but we're at this bar, and one of the guys in the band um, was evidently hitting on somebody's wife kind of situation. Oh, boy. Yeah. And um, we're leaving the bar, and I see the, uh, the, the husband of said woman aggressively confronting my, my bandmate. And you know what? I'm all about peace and love, and so, guys, I put my hand on both their shoulders. Why don't we just calm down, figure this out? Guy rears back, swings, completely misses my bandmate, catches me right here on the side of my nose, flips my head like 500 degrees in circles. I trip backwards, smash my nose into the the brick wall of the bar right behind me. Blood just kind of goes like a water balloon everywhere. I'm dazed, dizzy, can't see anything. Turn around and like everybody's gone. Nobody's there. I go in storming into the bar, demanding to know who that person was. Just full of, uh, of righteous indignation and fury. They don't know who the heck he is. Who the heck he is? And so I'm just standing there bleeding like an idiot. Nobody cares. And so I drive to the hospital and. <laughs> My nose is completely shattered, and I uh, had to get it reconstructed and all that good stuff. 
Um, then found out later the guy who hit me actually used to babysit me when I was a little kid. How about them apples? That's a fun story, yeah. But you learned your lesson, didn't you? Yeah, don't get involved. Or if you get involved... Actually, I learned two things. I learned don't be an idiot and get involved in things that, that, that don't you shouldn't. Don't concern you. And also, while getting punched in the face sucks, it is not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. I've seen too many people that get in the middle of people about either fighting or about to fight. It never turns out well. But you've never been in a fight, have you, Mark? No. <laughs> I've never tried to break one up either. <laughs> I saw a friend of mine one time. I don't think he's ever been in a fist fight in his life. Right. He, he's a doctor now. But it was a, a gigantic white dude and a gigantic black guy. And then about 10 black guys behind the gigantic black guy and about 10 guys. So it kind of looked like, I don't know what, like a West Side story or something. These two rival factions. Yeah. And nothing is happening, but it's like shoulder to shoulder in this in the library. It was you mean a bar or the library? The library, library. the bar, at Oxford, yeah, in Oxford. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's that side bar. I don't even know if it's still there, but you know what I'm talking about. There's I a side know, bar that's yeah. up on that platform. And I'm I don't know what I was doing, but I look over there and I'm like, oh man, you know, I'm just like going to see what's going to happen. I'm a good probably 30, 20, 30 feet away. All of a sudden, I see this scruffy headed guy get in the middle of there, and I'm like, oh god, please, no. No. Oh, no. It's not good for you, man. One of the guys, it's not even the two guys about to fight. It's just one of those other guys just kind of steps out from the crowd and just crow hops him right in the face. (laughs) And, I mean, he hits the ground like a sack of potatoes. Right. And then starts army crawling (laughs) out of the scrum. Uh, Man, a a buddy of mine told me a funny story very similar to that. Like, he was just got caught in the middle of this, and he got hit in the crossfire. And what he did was he just played dead. (laughs) That's not not stupid. He he, he acted acted knocked out. (laughs) Man, I'll tell you what, talking about getting in a fight, it was in the summer at Mississippi State, and it was a guy that I knew, and a guy that my roommate knew, and we really didn't like him. Okay. And so we're walking now in downtown Startville, in front of where, uh, what was the Italian joint used to be in Startville? Old, Old Venice. Venice. Old Venice. Old Venice, yeah. And there's two parking places open right in the front. And we were coming out of there. And they, these people crossed the street. He goes, like, hey, man, we're about to get in a fight. Blah, blah, blah. And I just remember my roommate being like, well, we'll see how it goes, like before we help y'all. Yeah. And these guy, other guys crossed the street right by him. And they're talking, they're talking. And the one guy you could just see, he's just steady trying to talk himself out of it, talk himself out of it. With this guy who was a little short guy, but he was like stacked up. And a guy who looked like, I don't want to say that he looked like a professional wrestler, but he was a big old hoss. Same thing. The guy's standing there talking. He comes out and basically just crow hops him inside the face. (laughs) Two steps to the face. I'm telling you, he hit the ground, lights out. So left body. Yeah. Yeah. We rolled, they rolled him over. I'm standing back. It looked like Looney Tunes. His head, <laughs> you know, remember on Looney Tunes where they would yeah, get yeah. whopped and they would make a nod immediately? Yeah. They turned him over. His face looked like a Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. It was just <laughs> totally. So, and everybody could tell something wasn't right. You know, like, I think, you know, this side was all closed up and immediately the other side of his eye that was open just filled up with blood, you know, in the white of his eye. And everybody was just like, oh, my God. And, uh, yeah, I think he, like, broke everything in his face, you know, from, like, the top of his head to his jaw. was just obliterated. 
I used to run this. It was scary, though, I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, t- talking about That's scary. why you should never sucker punch somebody. I used to run this Ugh. bar in downtown Columbus called the Underground. Right now it's uh, it's Huck's, but back then it was called, um, it would have been, it was Vincenzo's was the name of it. Vincenzo's Market Street Grill was the name of it. But I ran the bar, and the bar was actually in a basement downstairs. kind of cool. I'm 6'4", so I left every night with like three or four head injuries because um, the ceilings were low. But one night, it's really busy in there, and there was this lady that worked um, for us who had this boyfriend who was a part of a Peruvian biker gang here in, in Columbus. Um, Sounds very common. I mean, dude, yeah. And by the way, super sweet guy. Like, I won't say his name, but loved, loved, loved him to death. Um, except for this night. Um, it's really busy in there, and the girl who's bartending with me, her boyfriend who has something to do with the Air Force around here, was there. And he was, he came in drunk, right? And he looks at the Peruvian biker. He had his ass on his shoulders already. Oh, buddy. He looks at the Peruvian biker and says, you don't know shit about motorcycles. (laughs) And that's what I heard. And it's really busy, so I'm running around. There's a lot of people in there. And I hear this sound, and it's this shattering sound. And I'm like, who in the hell is throwing beer bottles in here? What is going on? And then I look to my left, and that guy who'd been sitting at the bar is no longer at the bar. And there's the Peruvian biker just doing this. The sound I heard. Standing over him. The sound I heard was the sound of a skull meeting a motorcycle helmet. Real, 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 real fast. Broke every bone on the yeah left side of this guy's face. Um, craziest thing. Um, we carry him, and I mean, you talk like it's not Looney Tunes. This is like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What this guy looked like. Um, carry him upstairs. The cops just somehow like uh, apparate at the place, and the Peruvian biker is nowhere to be seen. Just gone. I'm sure you told him it was a Peruvian biker, and they. Uh, I mean, their I ass actually. <laughs> I don't know that. I think we might have all forgotten who did it. Okay. Um, I mean, you might as well have said Peruvian biker. They'd have put out an APB for a Peruvian biker. But I will never, ever, ever, ever forget the way that that sounded. Because I mean, literally, if you get a Budweiser bottle and smash it in the street right now, and that's what it sounded like. I mean, there there are so many sounds, man. Like there is there is. You've ever been in a car crash? There is no, yeah. There's nothing like that sound. That crunching dread that happens. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. I've. I mean, even like. You know, some areas that I've lived in, we, we would play a game called Is It Fireworks or Gunshots? I yeah. mean, <laughs> we, did, we did that last night. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a lot of different uh, <laughs> games and sounds to be, to be had, <laughs> depending on what part of the country you're in. <laughs> Supposedly, there's somebody in our neighborhood who just goes out every night and shoots his gun into the air. He's, just, trying, to, he's trying to get the rent back. <laughs> Oh, violence can be fun when well remembered. Um, now wait a minute. Did somebody tell you the guy shooting there? That, that's just what you tell. That's yourself? what I've heard. Okay. Yeah, that's the story. Because it does seem there does seem to be a, a consistency with it. Man, I know y'all will believe this, but I was telling somebody that lives in Columbus, and when I was up there volunteering at the city, it's pretty recently when I was up there. Mark Alexander was the volunteer COO of Columbus, of Columbus. Mississippi. That's a real thing. That's a real thing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> learned a lot. <laughs> I bet you did. But uh, 
there's these uh i get a phone call and it's an elderly guy <laughs> and he says hey you know we got a problem i'm like what he's like somebody's been shooting a gun you know and this is whatever time it is 7 30 in the morning when i show up for eight o'clock to be there i'm like oh, this okay is the first thing in the morning kind of thing yeah, but I'm just like, okay, right now you need to call the police. It's like, oh, I already called them. They come down here, and then they run off and come back. I was like, so they're shooting a gun right now? You know, this is at the city hall. Like, there's nothing we can do. Like, this guy just called city hall, He's and calling, you were there. Yeah, calling the city hall, and, I, and, I'm just, and I'm answering it right. So then over throughout the day, several people start calling that I can't remember what it was, but like overnight, and some people had tried to chase them and take pictures of them on their phone or whatever, but there was these juvenile, three or four juveniles, that had two AK-47s that were just shooting them and shot like, according to different people, hundreds of rounds of ammo overnight or over this one night. So as the day goes on, all these people are calling. There's all these problems. And you put your Batman suit on. I didn't put anything on. I just (laughs) took my phone off the... Y'all need a vigilante, do you? (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I'm saying, even if they're not committing crimes other than discharging a weapon in the city they're just out there being fools there's people just being foolish with guns so you're saying that someone some kids were running around shooting ak-47s they went out all there, night long for i would say for two to three hours they were spontaneously shooting pow, 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 pow. and where it is in the city it backs up to like a heavily wooded area in an abandoned industrial area in a wooded area so they're shooting it, it, like in a dead end street, back into that area is where they were shooting. Wow. Yeah. And I suppose that these people haven't been brought to to justice. I mean, they were probably kids. Yeah. <laughs> so no. <laughs> My point in oh, saying damn. this: there are people out there just acting foolish and shooting their guns that aren't shooting people with them. That's yeah, absolutely That's true. I used to shoot uh, squirrels in the city limits. With my twenty two, it's fun. So I was, you know, they could have called the cops on me for doing it. Well, I think there's a difference between a twenty two and an AK forty seven, though. I mean, just in terms of the noise and how nervous it might make. I don't someone. know. Like, there's something about that twenty two caliber that I, people really sleep on it. Like how far it can travel, and oh hell yeah, and even like it's a little more dense and it can get through a lot more things than people think well i think the the what i've always understood is it's a lot worse to get shot with a 22 it'll because rattle. it'll just rattles around inside mm-hmm. of you i don't know if that's true or not that's what i've always heard let's try it i'm not good at guns <laughs> but i ended up getting this ammo to shoot in the city that was um had no powder had all primer charge so you could shoot it and it didn't make any noise oh that's very interesting yeah so, you know, at... at uh, it didn't make any noise. I mean, it made like a... I mean, it's like the sound of a BB gun. The hammer. Yeah, I mean, it was no noise. Because there's no powder. It was low. I mean, the, you had to shoot it probably 30 yards or less. You know, it just had no power. But for me, sniping the squirrels in my backyard, <laughs> it worked. Right on, dude. I'm with it. I've, that was... I mean, we, I grew up in the country, in yeah. uh, Lamar County in Alabama, and I mean, that was, uh, my grandpa taught us, like, during the summertime when the bumblebees were out, you know, digging their hoes in the sheds and every, anything wood they could find. He's like, get a little paddle, knock them unconscious, then we'll, we'll tie a string around the abdomen, and we'll fly them like kites. My grandmama did that with June bugs. She'd tie a string around their back leg. And then just, and it was fun as a yeah, kid. Yeah. 
thrilled about it. What do you do? Just squish them at the end? No, I mean, we would turn them loose after. Or then sometimes, you know, it would turn out like this was baseball practice. Like my grandfather was Mr. Miyagi or something. Okay. It was like a wax on, wax (laughs) on. If you can hit a bee with a broomstick, (laughs) you can hit a baseball. (laughs) And so a lot of those, they didn't get out alive. (laughs) Well, what position did you play when you played baseball? Oh, I'm Mm left-handed. And so uh, I started at shortstop, left-handed shortstop. Okay. And then uh, second base and eventually would find my home on first base. No, you just moved right on over, didn't you? I did. And then uh, with batting, um, my grandpa, man, he, he was hell. And uh, his best friend, Clark Harden, growing up, I mean, they were uh, baseball. And then when my dad, like, aged out of that, man, they were, like, coaching this softball team, and they were hell. And, like, this is back when, like, rec softball was, like, traveling tournaments, doing yeah. trophies, the whole nine yards. And my grandpa would do some disturbing things if you had a bad habit, such as stepping out of the box. He would like stand these center blocks straight up and then lay a two by four across. And then he's like, step out now. <laughs> and then would just beam you. Be like, it don't hurt that bad, does it? <laughs> and so I remember like, yeah. He was hell, dude. And like when he right. was teaching when he was teaching us how to pitch or even throw a curveball and all that, I mean just his way about it, he would take he worked at on Nova here in town. They mm-hmm. used to do vinyl. Yeah. And so he had access to some of those vinyl rows, and he would bring home strips of vinyl, and he would lay out like a 10 by 10, and then you would lay out a strike zone, and he would cut a hole like where the sweet spot was. And when we were learning like fastballs, change up, even up to curveballs, he said, when it gets done, and my brother was the better pitcher, you need to be able to have that ball sink right in that hole. And I'm talking about, you know, baseball. And that hole would be probably... I don't know, like a mid-sized pumpkin. Like, not a big range, but like where your curve was coming in, it needed to sink right into that hole. And I thought, we were well old after those processes. Awesome. Yeah, I bet you were. Um, you know, I've always thought that first base, you have to have nerves of steel to do that because you there's so much happens at first base, and you have to be perfect every time you or you're an scoops. idiot. Yeah, yeah. And, and you have to, I mean... You know, every position in baseball is, is challenging, of course, but so much happens on first base. Oh, yeah. And it was my favorite thing. The Smelly Brothers, we played ACA. The they, Smelly Brothers. They would they would ruin. Uh, one played uh, at the University of Alabama. The other one played quarterback at South Carolina. Uh, they both played. They played every sport. Yeah. Their main two was football and baseball. They played at ACA in Tuscaloosa, and I remember it was probably my ninth or tenth grade year. They were stomping us. And this is playoff, playoff contention, and we were losing. And so uh, I went in on first base, and, like, we intentionally walked the guy. And every time I'd walk over there to the bag to hold out my glove as he's getting his lead, mm-hmm. I just so happy would just, just stomp on his foot with my cleat and kind of just, <laughs> just kind of dig it in a little and be like, oh, my bad, Smelly. Did I get you, dog? Did I get you? <laughs> And I remember one time, dude, we were trying to intentionally walk uh, the older one. I don't remember his name at the time, but uh, he stepped. It didn't count, but it was a hell of a sh- it was a hell of a hit. He stepped on the plate and launched that thing. They had a net that uh, prevented. Oh, so you were throwing it way out. The pitcher was throwing it way outside. Mm-hmm. And okay, he stepped on home plate 
and crushed it and they had a huge net like what you would see at a top golf to keep the golf balls from going yeah. into the highway they had that same setup at aca in tuscaloosa it went over the net i'm talking about like what you would think of like a mark mcguire or a barry Bonds. yeah sure like he crushed it and i was like golly i just want to go home i don't even <laughs> i don't want to play these boys no more this is different level stuff right. i mean whenever you see that in high school like you know when someone is just above and beyond what anything you've ever seen yeah, and then you're like well i sure i'm glad i sewed these razor blades in this hat <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like how can we do them dirty to get a little bit of an edge <laughs> That was always a miserable feeling, though. Whenever you played sports and, you know, you knew within the first, like, 10%, like, oh, damn, mm-hmm. this is going to be a long day. And you know it exactly when you see it. That's what I'm saying. When they yeah. would show up, whatever it was, and you, even if you had a little bit of, like, lingering in your gut and they came out there, whatever sport it was, if they came out there and you saw how big they were, how fast they were, whatever they were doing, you'd just be like, oh, God. Mm-hmm. And then usually it was worse than what I ever <laughs> dreaded. Yeah, I was never much of a sportsman myself. I can just remember, like, and you play bat. We play basketball, and you know, in basketball, if you're outmatched in basketball, there's really no way to like shine if you're outmatched. It's yeah. not, you know, it's like football. If you're kind of just overpowered, you're just gonna be overpowered. There's yeah. not like one or two guys that can save you. You don't have a pitcher that can come out and do it. You don't have a guy that can come out there and just, you know, smack it. You just kind of stink. You just you you take it. You come out there and just get beat by like forty five points in basketball or something yeah. ridiculous. And you know, I know equipment is not even close to everything, but it is important because I can. You know, I've always been tall, and so there was always this assumption that I was going to play basketball. Right? Um, forget the fact that I had absolutely no talent or <laughs> coordination or ability. Um, but I do remember when went played my first basketball game. And my parents sent me because um, they forgot to get me. Go ahead. They forgot to uh, get me any basketball shorts. They sent me out in black um, jean shorts to play basketball. Yeah, how was your? <laughs> so I was I rashed up. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Now that was at a game you played. Yeah, there's a picture of me. I don't know, ten, eleven years old, with my whatever team jersey and some black jean shorts and they, they they didn't like go oh my gosh and then later go out and get me some basketball shorts i just wore the black jean shorts to every basketball game huh. to be fair i wasn't playing a lot <laughs> <laughs> going in was hell dude yeah dude i think i still have the record for the least amount of field time in the history of the mississippi school for mathematics and science soccer oh team. mercy I joined the soccer team my senior year, and it was a co-ed team, um, and we were good. Like, believe it or not, smart kids are, are good at soccer. And um, we are playing, I don't know, some local team around here. It's near the end of the game, and we're up by, like, three or four goals. And Put Leonard in. Dr. That's exactly right. Dr. Cass like, get in there, Wade. And I run out there and kick the ball in the wrong direction. He says, get out of there, Wade. And I run right out. Uh, I mean, that, that's funny. I mean, like, just, just going back to, uh, to like, wearing the black jeans, man. Um, the guy, he had a Southern Miss video on, and y'all were catching up that night. He's recently back in town. And after you had left, he continued to share stories of your, your old man yeah. with me and Wes. And I was like, with everything that I've heard about your old man, 
rings true. Like just for like who who he was. He was something else, buddy. He was something. <laughs> so I could else. I could totally see him like sending you out in in jeans. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And he was very much a baseball guy. Like a if there's such a thing as like a person. Cubs or Braves? Yankees. Oh, of all things. Of all things, he because like during that time, like in this area, it was like Braves or Cubs, right? Well, where he he grew up in a little town in North Florida called Bluntstown. Um, if you don't know where that is, it's over by Alpha, <laughs> um, <laughs> Calhoun County. Um, and when he was growing up on the radio, you would either get Yankees games or Dodgers games. That's so wild. And so you kind of picked one and he picked the Yankees and if my dad was anything he was loyal once he picked something that was it he was in there and so he was a yeah he was one of those um, never really left the south New York Yankees fans that you run into (laughs) but I can even remember because the Yankees were pretty terrible in the 80s and him sticking with them completely and you know Whoever played for the Yankees could could do absolutely no wrong. Um, Mickey Mantle was his favorite, I think, favorite person uh, that ever lived. But um, yeah, Mark Leonard was a character when he was when he was in high school. He was a DJ for the radio station down in Bluntstown. His DJ name was Ben Blue, and so whenever like a band would come, like anywhere within spitting distance they he got tickets and got to go see him and uh one time he got to go see uh sam the sham and the pharaohs oh nice um a boogie of woolly boogie woolly bully yeah woolly bully fame and um he ended up hanging out with them and they wrote a song about my dad that he would proudly proudly um, recollect anybody whether they want to hear it or not and it went like this old Mark Leonard from Bluntstown, Florida he ain't nothing but a green fart snorter <laughs> that's it um, he was very proud of that <laughs> uh, I was uh... <laughs> it's true well I mean he said it was true <laughs> Something it was it was, uh, it was a Bob Dylan line in a song yeah, he was also a big Dylan fan. It was uh, he's he's talking about meeting this cat Gray and someone inherited a million dollars. Okay, do you remember the Hootie and Blowfish song when Hootie said that he was the one that inherited a million dollars? And I think Bob Dylan sued the hell out of him, right? Yes, he did. He also sued the hell out of the Counting Crows, <laughs> Mr. Jones, because of Mr. Jones. Yeah, huh? I didn't know that. Yep. Like and what's funny is both these are supposed to be like in uh, tribute in tribute to Bob Dylan. <laughs> and Bob Dylan said, "I don't care." <laughs> yeah, screw you, Hootie. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Did he sue him or like his publishing company or record company or like him himself? I don't. I'm not I don't sure have about that. Okay. that. But I don't think Dylan like appreciated it. What a grouchy bastard! I think that's. I mean, from what I understand about Bob Dylan, he is he is a bit of that. Well, I mean, that, I, I think that's typical for those like rock stars of that. Like even your Clapton's or Led Zeppelin's. Like of it was forever. I think Thor Ragnarok was the first movie in history that had a Led Zeppelin song featured because Led Zeppelin would not give any anybody rights to their music, and then you heard immigrant song as the yeah, opening, that, which was opening, pretty crazy. opening score like 
for the movie trailer mm-hmm. and also for when they introduced uh, the villain, I believe. But uh, and like right when I heard that, I was like, I can't believe they got away with that because like all those old heads from that era Dude, was like, I mean, in that they weren't era, taking any crap. Zeppelin especially, they got away with with everything. I mean, you think about things that happened, and you know, to an extent, some people have rightly gotten in a lot of trouble for terrible behavior. But I mean, I don't think there's anybody who debates the fact that Jimmy Page and Robert Plant like kidnapped girls and wouldn't leave let them leave their house well not and let, only, i kept them for years <laughs> and not only that but just in the artistic sense is like uh man some of their songs were ripped off from people. i think they got sued was it stairway they got sued over that was yeah that yeah. was yeah they lost that one but yeah. i mean a lot of those especially from like led zeppelin one and two i think some of the later ones maybe but i don't know they were just straight stolen yes i mean i'm saying music and words stolen Mm-hmm. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> well, you know, and their excuse, I think, was always the excuse that, well, it's the blues, man, and everybody plays the same shit, and they're just iterating on the same stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, but y'all aren't those guys. <laughs> you know, you're not playing in Clarksdale, fucking Mississippi, you know, like in an abandoned block building or whatever. Yeah. You, you're, you're these huge uh, mega stars making these records that are making yeah. you a ton and, of money. And by the way, ripping off these people, like yeah. who, and you didn't even give them credit. Like, yeah, this, exactly. This could have exactly. changed that person or their family's trajectory forever. And I think to some of that, though, like some of it, the credit that they could give. You know, it had been like, okay, I played three or four. Of the, we we all played the same song, and one of us had a hit with the song. And yeah. then one that you just say, okay, I wrote that song. All right, I'm playing in the same abandoned gas station in Clarksdale. What am I gonna do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sue exactly. you? Right, exactly. I mean, so, so the I think that was some of their excuse too, was that the people that they could go back and say, okay, well, John Lee Hooker wrote this song. He might have said he did, and yeah. maybe he did. Prove it. But that was their thing. Always like, okay, well, we shouldn't get. I think about 10 years ago, I sent it had a list. If I find it, I'll send it to you. It's a list, and you can click on it and listen to it back and forth mm-hmm. of every single song and what they stole. And, Zeppelin and, specifically? Zeppelin. Yes. Yes. Back, to back, uh, back to back with the recording. Some of them, they don't even have a recording one, one of my favorite Zeppelin songs, Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You. Yeah. That was ripped off from uh, the Delta. That was an old blues song. I, uh, and it was written by a black woman. Uh, also, think about Tennessee whiskey, whiskey with uh, Chris Stapleton. Yeah, that was man. It, that song has like been redone over and over two or three times now. Like it used to be like some kind of a, a more of a jazzy type thing, and like you can look at the history of that. Did song. he not write that song? Oh no. Okay. No, it's, okay. That song has exchanged hands three times now. It's always it reminds me of uh, House the Rising Sun because House the Rising Sun is kind of one of those songs, and it's just it's so weird because the animals is obviously the one that most people have heard, like if they've heard right. it. But that's one of those songs that's so old that nobody really knows how well. And if you if you listen to like the traditional version of it, it makes a hell of a lot more sense because it's about a woman who's stuck in a whorehouse and not some guy who's just addicted to going to whorehouses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Which, which is like a completely different vibe. Yeah. And like, because you let the animals are like, well, dude, just stop going to the whorehouse, man. <laughs> Not that hard. I'm sorry your mom was sewing you some jeans <laughs> and you have to go over here. Well, I mean, like, when you, when you, like, public forum and when it comes to that thing, like, uh, the old school Mickey Mouse from Disney. Yeah. Uh, 
January first, that's that's public forum. Like you can use. I think it's supposed to that. be public domain, but I don't think it's. Got, I think, think Disney is, is fighting. Oh, dude! I think Disney Disney's uh, going so far to get the Constitution changed so that Mickey Mouse doesn't go into the public. You know, like the original, like yeah. Mickey Mouse. The, yeah, Mickey yeah, Mouse. The, yeah, wow, the, I don't know older, that. Not not the newer iterations, like with well, the like clubhouse. Steamboat Willie Steamboat. is yes. supposed yes. to go okay. into the public domain. Wow, which is like. And I, I had plans. So like, if it stays public, though, I'm go- I will be using that on like logos and flyers and things. Uh, yeah, and, um, I, and I made a joke. I was like, I'm gonna put old Mickey in rehab. They're gonna do. <laughs> 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 I mean, I, I have no idea what the mechanism that they'll use to prevent that kind of thing from happening. But I would imagine if there's any company in the world, that's oh, gonna Bob come Iger after is you, not gonna let that no, happen. I don't think so. I don't think so. But it would be fun. It would be super fun. <laughs> what do you think, Mark? I don't know. I guess what is the distinction between Steamboat Willie Mickey Mouse and whatever Mickey Mouse Club? Mickey I Mouse imagine Club, whatever. Every, at the I imagine office. every single iteration of him is, 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 a is under patent. a different okay copyright or patent. Yeah, gotcha. That seems kind of weird. <laughs> It does. And for I mean, you got a mouse it, named the same thing. Like, I'm just saying, I wonder what the distinctions are that let it lapse. But, you know, there, like there are specific things, art, so, like art, artistic I representations. Think, yes. And, okay. Yeah. I, I, that's what that would be my thought. Okay. I mean, even like public domain now with like some of these old songs that people are beginning to cover and rediscover now. Like, I've, I mean, you'll hear it in country music or, or different iterations all throughout. Uh, the Christmas songs even are like public domain now. Sure. Uh, and so it's always interesting, like when people get in the weeds with that. It's like, is it? Are you going to get away with this or yeah. not? Because like, well, whoever wrote it is long gone. Like, well, I think the, you have, do you look to the estate? Uh, the Happy Birthday song is the most famous example of that. Like, think of a like really try to think of a movie from when we were kids that included the Happy Birthday song. They didn't because the people who owned the rights to it were famously litigious. And I, it's only been within the last five or six years that it finally entered the public domain. I don't know what the law is, but it's some amount of time past the death of the original creator. And then maybe they can renew it once. Something, it's something, it's like something that. And, 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 and it is complicated, and I think it also is different depending on what side of the pond you're on. Because I know things like, well, Peter Pan, for instance, Winnie the Pooh, Winnie the Pooh, Winnie the Pooh's out of copyright. But but and Peter, they, they made a horror. That's right, they made that. And they're movie. coming but, out with a second one now. But Peter Pan is not in the public domain. Oh really? Yeah, the J.M. Barry estate will come after you with knives out if you try to do anything with Peter Pan. And I don't know how that. Well, I do know that all the money that comes from Peter Pan goes to like an orphanage or a charity or something like that. But they are famous for going after folks who try to use Peter Pan hmm. without paying for it. The Tolkien estate, of course. But oh my God, they they, they may be the worst. Did you read about that guy who he has some absurd name, but he sued Amazon. And I think his name's Simon Tolkien. He's like one of J.R.R. Tolkien's nephews who runs the, the the estate. He sued this guy sued them because he wrote a book called The Fellowship of the King, which was a sequel to Lord of the Rings, and sued them for the Amazon show infringing his copyright. Right? That's a little loose. A judge ended up making this guy pay the Tolkien estate one hundred thirty four thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> 
Big L, dude. <laughs> See, I don't have a problem with even the the visual representation of Mickey Mouse, or because to me, and I, again, I don't. I'm I don't not, know you don't have a problem with it. Bob Iger has a problem. Okay, with but it. what I'm saying is, is, is that <laughs> those things to me seem for a I don't want to say uneducated, but uneducated in the in the cop, in a cartooning or character creation or whatever. Yeah. What really pisses me off is, you know, like famously George Harrison got sued for, oh man, it's one of those um, like Phil Spector pop songs. Oh my lord, that, dude, what a nut! That's what he got. He got sued for oh my for uh, my sweet lord for co- oh, right. for copying. Um, oh, I kind of remember this. Yeah, I, I'll think of it as we talk, but. You know, famously, people say like that destroyed George Harrison. Like he was so afraid to do anything, and it was in like 1971. You know, yeah. Out of the Beatles, uh, and I think George Harrison and John Lennon, I know for a fact, did like Phil Spector. But uh, Paul McCartney infamously had a strong distaste for Phil Spector. Turns out he was right. <laughs> yeah, those girl group records were good. The the you know didn't Phil Spector do the. Um, their last album, which sounded like ass. Sometimes and people perform his, really well when they're Phil, terrified. Phil, <laughs> Phil Spector's uh, producing like was hit or miss during his entire career, and I think like with the different wigs and everything that he did over his career, like I think that's why he was such a recluse. Like he would come out and party when things were good, high tides, but like when he had those big misses, mm-hmm. boy, that's how, that's when he got crazy. Yeah. But there's also got to be this sound chamber that folks like that live in. Because, you know, the famous you know, picture would, of him in court it, with would, that hair? Oh my, the, the most iconic It one. just means that nobody told him, you look like you just stuck your finger in a light socket, Phil. Well, you know that he used <laughs> on his big property, it was, you know, walled in, but like he would, and he had a lot of dogs, but it was suggested that he would dress up like Batman on that property <laughs> at night and would wander the premises. Like he he was he was very scared for his life at night, you know. So, so he put a Batman suit on. <laughs> he was he was the vigilante of the property. I guess so. <laughs> I, just, I guess what I'm saying is that you hear about all these people that write and I'm not saying but you can't really copyright like a chord progression and say and but that's what I'm yeah, saying you know like the guy I don't know his name but had a song and then Marvin Gaye's estate sued him for copying that yeah, song yeah who was was that um it wasn't the Alan Thicke's kid was it they got sued I don't know Marvin what it is. I don't even know who it is or what song it was but I'm saying I've read about it but that there's these people that come and say okay I wrote a song and it's you know, it's in the key of C, and it goes C E G C, and it plays these chords back and forth. And you're like, okay, no shit. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and that's what it returns to, yeah. or whatever. You know, it's just. Um, well, dude, if anybody ever copyrights uh, G C uh, D, then country music is over. <laughs> and God forbid they get that A minor in there too. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but I, I'm telling you, like, even with like people's rights, and uh, I mean, we have like. Possibly the hugest pop star and one of the biggest celebrities in this time right now, Taylor Swift. Yeah. Uh, her music, and she's been in the process of re recording, but uh, her rights to her own music was bought by. Uh, did you hear about this? Because this is brilliant what she did. I know she got bought by some nemesis producer of hers, bought her. Mm-mm, no, this would be like uh, the family that a lot of people uh, have strong distaste for, and I'm blanking on the name right Is now. Is it the, the, the 
pharmaceutical company family? The, what the hell are they called? I cannot believe I'm blanking on them. Because, I mean, every conspiracy theory, they're at the bottom of it. Not uh, the Koch brothers. Not 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 the Cokes. <laughs> the Bushes? Not the Bushes. Did they ever tell you about the time that I had that substitute teacher that told us the Bush family were all really reptile people? No. Swab. Schwab, okay. Klaus Schwab. Yeah. That estate. Okay. So they had, they had bought the rights to Taylor Swift songs, and now she's in the process of re-recording everything. But, like, doing straight re-records. And she's told her fans, don't buy this version or listen to this version, but, and they're doing it. Like, by I mean, the so millions. She, they, must, they must own her publishing rights, not, not, the, not the song. She, they own it. the publishing of those albums. Right. So she that's how she can re-record it. And also, like, uh, single-handedly, a lot of people give her credit for, like, think of a Scooter's Records in Starville. Yeah. Um, for these small mom-and-pop record stores, she is credited to keeping those types of businesses people go in, and buy in the business. Because they're going in and getting those vinyls as she cuts them. The re-recorded ones, you the, mean? Yes. Okay. Yes. And so I'm, I'm not a I'm not a Swifty, so to speak, but dude, I, I will put some respect on that. Tell you what, that Ryan Adams album where he just did 1989, it's pretty good. <laughs> I, I actually enjoy that more than her version. Yeah, be careful, I, actually. They'll like, come after you, man. <laughs> of, I mean, a big part of the set that I prepared for the open mic tonight is I'm doing like probably two or three Ryan Adams in a row. Like I have been on a Ryan Adams kick. I, I uh, well, what songs are you gonna do? Of, uh, give me a line here. Let me pull them up. I don't. I won't tell you right. I'm going to Carolina. Do when the stars go blue. There you go. Okay. Uh, to be without you. Okay. Lucky now. Okay. Sweet Carolina is my favorite Brian Adams song. Really? Mm-hmm. Just throwing that out there. I'm, I'll have time to <laughs> dial that one up. Um. <laughs> yeah. Didn't he get in trouble for like? He's on a lot of. He coverage. got in trouble. He got in trouble for being a yeah that. For, yeah, yeah, but like he's sober now, so. But he has been a bit of a creep in the past. Sure. But he was... Pro- but you know, there's got to be a spec. I mean, rock stars have always been... Ass and I'm not, Yeah, I'm not, I mean, and I'm not defending ass-grabbing, yeah. but, you know, know who you're dealing with and treat them accordingly. If you go backstage and see, you know, Mick Jagger, he's probably going to be all Mick Jagger at you if that happens. Yeah. Or you um, get a little Bill Cosby. I'm going to put a little Bill Cosby. you see, that, that, that's exactly... But see, there is a, there's a spectrum here. This is what I'm saying. There's a spectrum here between R. No. Kelly... Now, and I won't cuss, whatever. but I will put a little roofie in your drink. Okay? <laughs> Never down over there to get a pudding in it, it's going to be good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Bill Cosby. Which, you see, I have been a massive stand-up comedy fan for as long as I can remember. And there is arguably no more joyful or um, perfect piece of stand-up that was ever filmed m- than Bill Cosby's himself. It's perfect. It's what the Cosby show ended up being based on. And I can remember like getting excited for my son to be old enough to, to be able to watch it. And now that's gone right out the window. I mean, I, I you can't. You can't. I mean, that's how and look, I have can't mixed you separate people. the art this from is the, the question. <laughs> this is the question. And again, I do think it's a spectrum and I do wonder why it's okay um that Michael Jackson is just fine. It's just fine. And nobody... Well, he has McCullough Culkin and others that speak up for him on his behalf. Yeah, but there are other people who haven't been convicted of something. And But they, they also... Yeah, but does Macaulay Culkin um, 
outweigh like the eight-hour documentary that HBO did. Because if you watch any of that, Apparently, it seems pretty. It does. It. I mean, it. I, and I'm not defending like Michael at all, but like if whether he never took. And there was another uh, celebrity kid that spent time with in Never Never Land, but both of those. Maybe it was a Carter. Was, uh, was maybe there? a Corey. Maybe. But both of those both came out and said they were probably in Lost Boys. One of them. <laughs> but both of them said he never touched me, and so like yeah. it does look good that you had two childhood celebrities say no when you had all these other outcries you know, who were practical nobodies. And again, this is all this is speculation, and, and nobody's been convicted of anything. But you know, if you're going to be a person who does that, of course you don't do it to Macaulay Culkin. You do it to the charity True. child that comes in, right? Yeah. I'm just, you know, I'm not trying to give tips to anybody. <laughs> yeah, we've been thinking about this too long, way. What you getting for Christmas, Alan? Man, I've had a Christmas party last night of upstairs at Hooks. I was very happy about that. Got a ribeye steak. There you go. And a baked potato and of all the appetizers. I didn't expect that. And I just got a $100 gift card from our brother Munson. Oh, wow. And of doing christmas with the family this weekend that's great man the way me and my brother have done it for years now is like man you and i are both older and uh he's got a uh he's got a son and daughter so i was like i'm gonna focus my presence on your kids that's the way you should do it and uh you and i let's just uh like i'll get you a nice bottle of bourbon or something yeah that's exactly just just spend it all on the children yeah everything for the kids i mean keep keep the magic going as long as possible that's right what do you know just keep you know squint at them make sure that they mm-hmm. bake the cookies for santa claus and all that stuff but yeah keep it going man mark what are you getting for christmas we already did this didn't we what we're asking you what you were getting for christmas uh a big credit card bill <laughs> <laughs> yeah Pay my American Express after January. Well, that's exciting. Oh, well, let me do this. Um, you yeah, might have noticed if you're watching. There's a. I've had a book here, and that wasn't an accident. A friend of mine named Kate Medley, who's a photojournalist, uh, worked for the New York Times among other things. Um, recently wrote and published this book which is about her adventures running across the American South, stopping at, well, frankly, gas stations. And One of the first pictures that we turned to, uh-huh. and he had to correct me, I thought it was in the Delta, it was actually in Pritchard where I had spent time. Oh, really? So, I mean, she she has went to the, the heartland, yeah, so to speak. She's, she's remarkable. What's yeah. the title of the book? It's called... Uh, Thank You, Please Come Again. I like it. I do, too. I've, I've enjoyed uh, the... The illustrations I've seen so far. So get a copy of it. It's published uh, by a publishing company called Bitter Southerner. I think that they're in Georgia. Um, and they specifically focus on Southern artists and and, and uh, creators, which is pretty cool. So rather than it being you know some gigantic conglomerate, you're helping those folks out as well. Absolutely, man. That's the, that's the next thing that I'm working towards on with Porch Talk. Uh, we did the vinyl record. We do the festivals. Uh, that's one of the next projects I'm working on. It's like, not only can you hear it, can you experience it, but I want to give something that visual. Uh, something you want to make a like a you want to make you want to write a book? Is that what you're saying? <sighs> yeah. Cool. But it, like, 
and I've been working on that direction for a couple of years, uh, and I have, n I, I've toyed with like several different directions, but like until I pin that down, what that's going to be, dude. I think you do straight up transcriptions. I, that's I think you do a a book like you know heavy on the photography, but you go through, and this will be the hard part is suss out over five years. You know the really good conversations that you've had, mm -hmm. like the fun, interesting chunks. And you just do it. There was a great book. So I just um, need to get this audio version and just let let that be the book then, man. That's what, we're, I mean, having, that's, we're having a ball right now. That's what I would do. There was this great book that The Onion published. Back when The Onion, um, they also, it was it's I think it's called like Beware the Cockroaches or something like that. But they used to do these, uh, they'd have this uh, serious section of the onion too right like the av yeah, club it wasn't so. always satirical right um but it would be straight up conversations between whoever their journalist was and a celebrity or a notable figure and it's just collections of that and it you know it reads like a it reads like a play frankly it's just you know joe says and then jane says and it's just great and that's all they did is just transcribe those things and it's and that's what i would do if i were you that would be the way to go it seems like that'd be long well, you don't want no short book, Mark. I'm just saying the not everything in every conversation is just going to be no, you very interesting. Yeah, you have to edit it. You okay. go and you, you select. Well, you're saying transcription. Like well, just a transcription of the good stuff. Well, like, and, and just to like the Lord of the Ring point earlier is uh, I was a big fan of this. Uh, it was supposed to be a trilogy. It was called the King Killer Chronicles. King Killer Chronicles. And two books out so far and we have been waiting for over six seven years now for the conclusion of it i wish i'd not read any of the george r r martin say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your Credit card rewards? Tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Stuff. Yeah, that's where we are. Yeah. I so mean, you're right just, there with it's me. It's just real, real, real irritating. Yeah. I mean, because we, 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 I don't think that we'll ever get a conclusion. I don't and, either. And he, like, with the first book, with Kof and all the characters beautifully developed, and then the problems and the story, and then in the second book, instead of beginning to tie up loose ends, he created more loose ends. Yes, he did. And I was, buddy, good luck wrapping this up and like keeping it a trilogy yeah, at this yeah. point. And so, I mean, that was another thing that I had been I've been working on this for about a year was trying because fantasy is my one of my favorite genres to read, mm -hmm. and I've like most of them aren't even worth reading. And there's so much of it. Yeah. That's the intimidating thing because I don't know. When I was younger, I was all about just seeing a book somewhere and just saying, let's give it a try. Yeah. And there are some 
there are some series that I did. Uh, uh, there's this when I was a kid. Uh, this guy named Christopher Stasheef who wrote this uh, this series of books called like um, oh god I can't remember the name of uh, the the witch doctor. It's about anyway. It's about this other universe where. Uh, the way magic works is it's through poetry, but it all works around like Catholic rules. That's so God very, and the devil are real. It's very interesting. Though. Yeah, it's cool. It's neat. So it's, um, almost, it's almost like miracles and yeah, yeah, yeah demonic yeah, oppression. And a hundred percent. And it's 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 it was well, you know, it was neat when I was in the ninth grade. But I can't conceive of the idea of just getting a book just cause, especially something that's that's fiction um, these days. And I, I kind of hate that. And, I, and my, my point like, with like exploring the idea was I am so tired of Hollywood or Marvel or Disney oh, yeah. just regurgitating and giving us the same story with a new twist or of uh, a new adaptation. It's like, tell a new story. like Make a new thing. Yeah, give, give us something new. I do have some sympathy for it in that it's the only way you're actually going to have a lot of people look at something is to use an established property. And it also feeds on the nostalgia of the parents yeah, uh, who can course. share it with their children. I mean, he and I are both gigantic comic book dorks, as uh, has been expressed. But, you know, so much that it's getting irritating. But it's... Um, it is to some level getting to the point where I, as much as I love that stuff, I am completely sick of it. You're over it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, mean, I know in, in my brain is so full of, well, especially between like 1988 and roughly 2000 comic book lore esoterra, I kind of wish I had something more useful in there. <laughs> yeah, but most people aren't. You know, they didn't know any about anything about that. That's why they go see those movies yeah you know very true I mean in most of those movies Marvel movies in particular those are not even that they're older than that well the further the the, the, the plots and themes and the yes, stories they are. they're adapted from stuff in the 70s and 60s I mean other until you get to you know like Bucky coming back you know that was sure. in the 2000s it was and then some degree of Civil War but it's not the way it was in the comic books no and the further they get away from I mean it's like you know what Game of Thrones is a perfect example the further they get away from the source material the the crappier it is and that was another thing like with American culture right now specifically like uh, millennials and even to the generation below with Gen Z is when it comes to comic books they look more toward uh, manga from Japan. Yeah. And they also are really into anime. My boys are living examples of that because they and love it. Because, stuff. I mean, like, American culture, when it comes to a Marvel or a DC, is like, it's a regurgitation of the culture to where people is like, yes, yeah, same old song and dance. When yeah. you could hop over here to manga or a Dragon Ball or uh, One Piece stuff, or I mean, whatever else. All that stuff. It's all the same. It's the same. Yeah. I mean, it's just in different packaging. Right. Right, yeah, yeah. But did you ever get into anime at all? Uh, yeah, some. Ninja Scroll, all that good stuff. Yeah, Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, that was a good one. That's a that's one of the better ones. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites. He had a comic book before that, Mesamuni Shiro. It was called Appleseed, that I had the graphic novel of, which was uh, it was a cool cool book. I liked the those books probably before I liked the the manga before the anime because I like to draw stuff. 
I think the thing with manga, I, I read, I think, manga of the comic book market of America is like 80-something percent of what they classify as the comic book market. That's the thing with those. 80% manga? 80% manga. You know, because I mean, when was the last time you went to like a Barnes and Nobles and like looked? It, it is that way. No, I think, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I'll ask you all this and you see what you think. When you read your first comic book, okay, where did you get it? From my cousin. Okay, but if you got one, if you bought it, where did you buy it from? It would be like a thrift store, man. Okay. Oh, I can remember exactly. The first comic book I ever bought was uh, Fantastic Four, and I think it was at a Walmart. Okay, and my first one was at Super X Drugstore in the mall. Oh yeah, and then and then uh, okay. the gas station near my house. Is so where that's I what I'm saying is that the availability for most of us in most of society, our age and before, if you're going to pick up a comic book, you'd pick it up off of at the gas station, yeah. drugstore, Walmart grocery. You know, we're talking about uh, George R. R. Martin and Game of Thrones. I've read those books, never seen the TV show. I've never watched them either. Okay, I'm glad, I did. I'm glad you're sympathetic. I went. I went TV show to books. Okay, like, and uh, the the first season is completely the first book, like almost. And you, but you, there is a definite point where um, they'd caught up to Martin in terms of would have been published, and then it just goes into complete shit. Yeah, I it mean, sucks. The it's great up until then, though. Possibly the greatest trilogy film that, in my opinion, probably ever. And I read the books. And I still enjoy the books more. Would be Lord of the Rings. Oh, definitely. And oh, then, yeah. When, oh, yeah. And then when Peter Jackson took The Hobbit and turned it into a trilogy film, that was absolutely unbelievable. It was crap. It was dog shit. Yeah, yeah. it was terrible. And I've never, I've never been able to get through. I've seen the first. Do you remember one, the old cartoon ne- from the eighties? Oh, yeah, the, yeah, that, yeah, CBS, that, dude. That holds the up. greatest adventure. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I, I own that, dude. I still, I got that DVD, and I, dude, I, I watched it with my nephew recently. Is what and like, lies ahead. <laughs> yeah. That holds up. Um, the guy who played Gandalf directed the Maltese Falcon. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Uh, Sam Houston, I think is his name. John. John Houston. John. Not <laughs> Sam Houston. <laughs> John Houston. John Houston, yeah. famous yeah, director. I, I mean, even like when I was a kid, man, reading, like I was big on C.S. Lewis, not only with like the yep. fantasy with uh, Chronicles of Narnia or even Escape from the Silent Planets. You know, I would read like- a, You read the Space Trilogy? Yeah, dude, that's great. Of when when I think about those two, because Tolkien and Lewis, they were friends. They were best buddies over in Oxford, and yeah. like I know they had a lot uh, to do with each other's faith, but also in the writing style, I consider Tolkien to be a world builder. Like, oh, he, definitely. He spent his entire life definitely. building Middle Earth definitely. and like even developing languages and writing the history. Uh, the Silmarillion, you know, and well, I mean that's all the thing. those things. And, and I can't get through the Silmarillion. Oh, it's tough. It it is very much like reading a technical journal. Yes, um, but like it's like reading the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean it's oh, like Old re- Testament. It's, it's like so what it is. So begot so and so. Right, right. It's like well, this don't really mean anything. Ivatar and the Ea. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that's definitely now better to read the wiki. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I'm thankful for that. But Morgoth, like, who was Melkor or but, whatever. But, <laughs> like, when they started trying to make the Chronicle of Narnia films, it was like, that's not holding up to the to the way that I imagined it in Did my you mind. ever see the old BBC Chronicles of Narnia? I don't know if I did, man. Holy moly. I 
have a very, very soft spot for it in my heart. Have you ever seen uh-huh. it? I was gonna say I really like it. If you were gonna say Tomlish. If you were gonna say something bad, I was gonna I was gonna I say I love it. No. Okay, so that good. that would be the way to go. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean yeah. I think I saw it when I was I mean talk about it's like chewing on scenery. It's I've, in fact I've got the D V D somewhere. I'll let you borrow it. I'm about to say I'm gonna and it goes way. through let's see. it goes through the silver chair. Mm-hmm. There's uh, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, Prince Caspian, Voyage of the Dawn Treader, and I think the I think it's the four of them. They do four of them. They don't do Horse and His Boy. They don't do The Last Battle. Which one am I missing? Uh, Magician's Nephew. Magician's, Magician's Nephew. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. the one with the... They go back and it's at the beginning. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, uh, I loved, loved, loved Chronicles of Narnia. Um... C.S. Lewis is one of those guys that I think any super hard, and I'm not a religious guy at all, but any um, died in the wool atheist has to do, has to confront those, and and, and you My can't God, leave man. you can't leave feeling anything other than you know what maybe it's not so great that I'm smart a smarmy jackass who says there's nothing out there if you get through that stuff because that's exactly who c.s lewis was um that's that's what he was trying to prove yeah and then because of his friendship you know legendarily with J.R.R. tolkien um he converted c.s lewis and uh i happened to work with c.s would be protestant and tolkien was catholic no c.s was was a catholic it was was backwards then it It was was yeah they were both yeah no J.R. Tolkien was a Catholic. Yeah, oh, they were and both Tolkien Catholic. converted him to Catholicism. He converted to Anglicanism. Okay, I'm my bad. Sure. My bad. I, I, I I'm not. Sh- it's one of the. It, yeah, he did. They, they were. They pra- They both I'm were in the faith, I'm, but I'm, they practiced. I'm different. pretty sure. That okay, because I think I, I remember reading when I read. The only reason I remember is because I remember reading Tolkien's biography that he was dismayed, you know, because he he converted, but didn't convert to Catholicism, he converted to Anglicanism. Yeah, Yeah, I think I I remember that, too. I I know a guy who can tell us, as it turns out. (laughs) Yeah, call him. (laughs) Um, His last name, Henry. His last name is Snyder. I work with a guy named Dr. Christopher Snyder, who is arguably the world's foremost authority on J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. Well, that sounds like a guest for this pod, dude. Well, we do a show... um, and it's in it's in he's in Oxford right now and he's supposed to be recording a bunch of them but we do a show called Mythopia when you say um, Oxford you're talking yeah he's a faculty fellow at Oxford okay and he's on sabbatical for Mississippi State he's a history professor at Mississippi State um, but he's on sabbatical in Oxford over there I assume writing a book because that's normally what he does he's written two books about Tolkien one called The Making of Middle Earth um, and the other is called um, Hobbit Virtues, and they're both really, really good. He's written a whole bunch of other books about. He's he's uh, specifically a medieval historian, focusing on like King Arthur stuff. Um, and what's interesting about Doctor Snyder is he got into Tolkien not from Lord of the Rings at first, but from his academic writings because Tolkien was a philologist which means he studies how words came to be well that's why he got so good at making language that's exactly right and um, Snyder is basically in the same field and was reading Tolkien's like academic work and then he liked the movies 
and then got into professionally J.R.R. Tolkien. It's, he's got some wild stories. In fact, if you want to, the first show on that Mythopoeia podcast, we actually did live at the Art Center in Columbus. And um, check that out, and you'll learn a lot about Middle Earth, man. And, so, well, and, and J.R.R. Tolkien. Man. Well, man, just back to C.S. Lewis, uh, just for a second, like with the philosophy stepping away from the fantasy was like uh, screw tape letters are like one of my favorite of uh, Lewis books was The Problem of Pain. Yeah. And like just dealing with these hard hitting things that is going to hit every man and woman throughout their life. Yeah. And to see the way that whether you're in the faith or not, you can respect how faith let him through the problem of pain yeah yeah and, uh, i mean yeah and i don't i don't uh um, fault anybody for that yeah. at all um i fault people for it turning into something political uh absolutely I, I fault people for you know deciding because this one particular you know path that you use is the only path to, to get to whatever that is and so i'm gonna have to burn you at the stake I have issues with that, but in in terms of what people need to get through their lives, I don't fault. There are a lot worse things you could do, and I don't really, you know, we always talk. We were talking to another guy I worked with at Mississippi State named Christian Flo a few episodes ago, and we were talking a lot about AI and this idea that the Terminator, you know, times are coming. But I said in that show, I'm much more concerned about like Brave New World than I am Terminator. I think we're in a brave new world. I think we are too. I think that there's so much um, opportunity to entertain yourself into just being completely sedentary and, and not going through processes of creating or pain or dealing with things sophisticatedly because you can just well, look, look at drop young, out. Look at young men today. Of a lot of they're incel and like what that means is they're of uh, they're not getting laid they're, and not they're getting, pissed off about they're it. not getting By the way, most <laughs> yeah that was a th- that was also a thing but, when i was a kid but, <laughs> but like it's it's to the nth degree right now and i believe like with man like it's this I, idea that I, you're I grew, owed something, I grew, right? I grew up like rural Alabama, and yeah. so everything that hit us was like five, ten years later. And so I remember when we had the internet and dial up, and then people started talking about high speed internet, and I was like, "What in the world is that?" Yeah. And so, like, by the time that I was teenager, graduating high school, like I was experiencing high speed internet, and now we have these practical computers in our pocket. And it's like, how easy is it to shut off from the world and like just to pull up a pornographic video? It's very and easy. just frighteningly yank easy. your chain yeah. and completely check out altogether. Yeah. How old are you, Alan? Thirty three. You're thirty. Okay, okay. So I'm I'm ten years older than you. Um, I mean, when I grew up, most people have a story similar to this. You have this one friend who has a weird dad. Or yeah, and, and you go the Playboys. To the, that's right. And you go, and there's eight kids we had hiding in Wait, some room. Probably had this too. <laughs> Marky probably had this too. Is man, we had there was a what we called the, the magic tree, and it would like I've heard of these. I never experienced right, right one off of, those. of a dirt road. Yeah, and this was like right down the road from my home. It would have like a stash of Playboys, and at any given time, it would have those styrofoam coolers. Mm-hmm. 
with like bush light or something of that effect. Right. And so it's somebody's like, just paying it forward. There. Yeah, someone's paying it forward. Yeah. <laughs> just make sure you wear gloves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I see. Oh, I, that's great. See, I, I'm that. So Wade and I are closer in age, and that's the way it was. Is that if you want to see naked women. You know, you'd have to go to somebody's house whose dad had play where like you, he's an a bit of a curve, yeah. You stole, they stole it, or whatever, and there was no shame. And if they had penthouse, you, someone should have called the and, law. And like, <laughs> if you had penthouse in that group of eight, some people would be averting their eyes, <laughs> and some people would be like, "No, let me look, let me look." At, at, let me ask you this: at that it was time, always like be like four or five dudes. Yeah. It wouldn't be like one kid to be like, right. "Look what I got." Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't be like you were standing in line. You were you were three guys oh, away dude, we from getting the copy. I mean, I can remember being a kid, and um, like cable, but you'd have the scrambled stations, right? Mm. And I mean, buddy, like one of those magic eye pictures staring at the scrambled <laughs> stations, <laughs> trying to see if anything came exactly. through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I think? Some of that is about those incel kids, and I think this is just me projecting. Involuntary celibate is what right. that's what it is. Yeah. Is that, and I'm not trying to be ugly, and this is not something. That, but I think there's a whole culture of women out there looking to get laid. There are, despite what people think. Oh yeah. There's a lot of women out there looking to get laid. I think dudes. Who thinks they're those dudes? What people, no, those oh, okay. those guys. Those guys. That's my point. If if you're a guy and you're like, man, I'm, I'm involuntarily celibate. The first thing that that rings out in my mind is the same dudes, like when I was young in high school, used to pine after the most beautiful girl in school. That's the, that, okay. that is the beginning. And, 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 and guess it. what? That girl don't give a shit about you and never going to give you any time of day. Never even knew that you but existed. But the, the difference is... Go down a few rungs, the, you will be happy, and it's going to be all good. That's what I think those guys... These people believe they're owed that. There's this, this, this sense I mean, I can't, of... I can't, there's this crazy sense I of entitlement. Where does that come the, from? Because of, of their their in virtue a, and the way they see themselves in a, in a real in a real kind of glib way, I think it comes from pornography. I, I think it comes from relentless access to, and you know, perfection. Well, not just perfection, just but what you. I mean, I've I mean, seen dude, you can look, copy in whatever things, you want. I've seen see. some things in some videos that if they happened to like a person I knew and cared about, I'd call the police. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is is that what Alan's talking about is that those type of people, you know, why are they doing that? Well, I think some of it is that they ne- they don't if, if you're involuntary so you never done anything, you're either A chicken shit, okay, mm-hmm. which you've lost some of those skills, that's what I mean, that you're talking about of being able to get out there, shoot your shot. Game yeah, have some girl. Deal with the embarrassment of rejection. Right, be rejected, go home, suck it up, buttercup. Yeah, you would rather go zero for zero than be one for ten. Right. I think, And I think that's part, I think y'all are right, that's part of it too, is you're so afraid of rejection at some point, you don't, you you don't take out. a shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, there's a little... But you have to do something also to be... To, <laughs> To be the kind of person that is going to be attractive to women at the same time. All I'm saying is, if you ask women, I I don't know this, but I think this. If you ask a woman, what's the most attractive thing about a man? It may not be one, but it's at least in the top three. Top three of anything is being self-confident. Oh, 100%. Top three for any woman. Okay? You ask a man, and, and probably not even in the top three is looking cute. It's probably like being funny, being self-confident, 
and being able to take care of me and not financially, but just. I can remember a, a, a man's number one thing almost always is to be good looking. Here's and that's one, a bag of shit. Here's because everybody that, gets old and fat. Here's one that doesn't work. What doesn't work is uh, singing a weepy song on the guitar and leaving it on her answering machine. In my experience, that doesn't work at all. <laughs> now that's how you get the damn police caught on your ass. But you're right, and 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 when because I've been on both sides, I was very much the piney, oh my god, nobody's ever going to love me kind of person. But the minute it was sort of like, what am I doing? Why am I caring so much? Then it all went boom. Okay. Hopefully, and maybe I don't know. Maybe this wasn't just self discovery, but you probably had a good friend who kicked you in the ass and be like, hey, oh, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. To stop yourself? it, Wade. Stop it, Wade. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And I, I feel like some of that has gone out of the window. I don't think people have camaraderie like they used you to. You mean like pining after a girl? What are you talking about? Like, like you do something stupid and your buddy says, oh, okay. stop doing like something stupid. Bad haircut. Yeah. Bad style. Okay, you're just talking about the group correction. Yes. Yeah. Got you. Yeah, the, the ability to be like, make fun of you, like man to man, until you correct your behavior. Yeah. yeah. But don't you think all those guys, if they're incel people, they're probably antisocial, so they don't have anybody around to say, like, stop being a douchebag. That's fair. Right? That's fair. (laughs) I mean, I think that some of the thing for people younger than us is that personal interaction is non-existent. And it's been fascinating over the past, you know, decade and a half or so to learn that, you know, nerds might be the most evil group of people on the planet. Like who? Well, because they, the they incel get, thing they get, they get has power. a heavy misogynist element to it. And they also get power hungry, and once they step into power, yeah. they want to ruthlessly... I mean, but that's just like that's just like if somebody got a, uh, a whatever, a video game that I wanted when I was a kid, but oh, it's not so great. It sucks. I mean, like, that's like people being... Those incels being ugly about women is like me being like ugly about people that own Lamborghinis. I ain't gonna own one. Never you gonna have one. Right, manifestos and killing you're people. You're talking that's out of your problem. ass. Well, I'm saying they're just looking for something. That's just yeah, they're looking for one particular thing, man. <laughs> but my point about those people is they should just bump their ass a few rungs down the ladder. Yeah, and then of one, course they then should. once they lose their virginity, they'll figure out like, oh well. But yeah. see, they're so <laughs> special. They're so special and important that that they're not willing to lower their standards for that. So. I don't know why they. They'll I just mean, kill or other I mean, than I, or else you just have to be. And I'm not talking about attractive. You just have to be personally reprehensible in a way that is so unappealing. It wouldn't just be unappealing to women. You just have to be an unappealing human being. And those. I mean, I, that's the dirty little secrets. There are people. Every single person around, if they're single, is looking to get laid. Men and women. I mean, come on now. Oh, dude. You like, just got to find the right puzzle piece. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you you got to find, like, whatever that is about you and just yeah. embrace it. Yeah. And you all got a thing. It's, man, a personal story, man. I'm we, so we were down, I'm married. We were, yeah. Imagine being in the on the field now with dating I apps. And every, dude, you got I the world even, against you I, right now, dude. I am so thrilled. I never got, oh, dude, I never had to deal with any of that. This market is so wild, dude. Like, it's so easy to become the other guy. What do you mean the other guy? The dirty little secret. (laughs) (laughs) That seems so exhausting. Like the the, 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 so like just fundamentally. I mean, I got so much shit to worry about right now. I can't conceive of that kind of thing. Man, I'm telling you. uh, But you mean being the dirty little secret without knowing you're the dirty little secret? Oh, then one day it just kind of rears its head. (laughs) 
You get like okay. somebody's I'll, banging I'll, on your door again? No, 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 no. I'll give you an example. It was like <laughs> this is this has been like a year or two ago. And uh like college town, right? While she was here, we would hang out while well, she's going home, back to wherever, for a time. Coming back. We're hot going back for a time and then I remember like one time she come back she had a ring and it was almost like a Lord of the Ring thing to me it's like cool ring you must have a cool job <laughs> <laughs> and then it, it it dawned on me yeah I was like I've been the other guy like the the one is back home and I'm right. just well the, the, look we gotta answer the question did you get your damn booty call <laughs> Yes. Okay. <laughs> All was right in the world. Yeah. So I, I didn't lose anything, but at the same time, I I thought I was the guy when in fact no, I was yeah, the other terrible. guy. It's like you. that secret family. You were bad and clean up. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it. And so I think that happens a lot. Oh, I think it definitely happens a lot. A lot. I mean, I don't know. I don't know a a woman that I've that, that who doesn't have like a relentless collection of unasked for male anatomy pictures oh yeah like not one and i don't care i mean if they're uh 95 it's happened to them before absolutely which is crazy like can you imagine when you and i were coming up like getting a polaroid How you like this? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Lord of and mercy. Then, and then, like, I yeah. wouldn't even take a picture of my dick for myself and be like, "Look at this thing." The audacity, right? It's like I, I know what you've been pining for. Here it is. Yeah, yeah. Because it's it's yeah. unattractive. It's yeah. unattractive. I mean, what do you want to see my my uh, the least, beans and sausage? Here it is. The least attractive part of me. Here it is. Exactly. I got a wild hog down there. It's ready to sow some. But wild you got to deal with manscape, right? I do. <laughs> So, by the way, if you use uh, Porch Talk, all one word, at manscaped.com, you can get 20% off your total purchase order. I need to use that for sure. You can get get your downstairs mixed up, all cleaned up. Performance package also comes with the the weed eater, which gets your nose and ear hairs. And then they got a great beard trimmer. So, manscaped.com. Just don't mix them up. Well, if you do, it's on you. Just don't share (laughs) it. Don't get your weed eater on your beans in two minutes. <laughs> oh, Lordy. I think some of it is probably, in general, people have this like fear of committing to people, and I'll say this just as being old and married, is that... It's better. I mean, it's better, but the thing about that is you need to... This would be my advice to people if they're young and they're out there playing the field is... They need to be reasonably attractive, right? You need to find them attractive for whatever that is. The rest of it, to me, would be try to find somebody that fits whatever is your outlook of the world. That could be from whatever view. If you're religious, to marry an irreligious person is going to make a difference. That's irresponsible. If, yeah, if you spend a lot of money, don't marry somebody that also likes to spend a lot of money. You're going to be in trouble. you got to have some balance. Try to find somebody that's got the same morals, beliefs, values, outlook about the world as you. The rest of that bullshit, like, is just superficial bullshit. Everybody's going to be old. Everybody's going to be fat. Everybody's going to be ugly. You know, what's going to happen if they're sick and you got to take care of them? If you're sick, are they going to take care of you? I mean, all the rest of it's just... I I think about uh, these people in the manosphere who are just raking in 
cash right now. For, the Manosphere? Like, I think, like it or not, Andrew Tate's. I don't know who that is. Well, perfect. Don't even, don't ever look okay, it up. Okay, don't look him up. <laughs> uh, but like people, people like him who are like out here who are incredibly fit for their age. Uh, and he's a kickboxing champion. Uh, he used to do internet work to where, um, Basically, he had an OnlyFans before it was OnlyFans. Okay. And, like, when you were DMing these girls, you were actually talking to him. And he was doing the Hey Baby and buttering you up to get more money. I mean, that's, that's of course, that's the way that and now, works, right? And now he's transferred into, like, the manosphere to, like, giving these incels advice on make yourself more presentable. Uh, like one of these hookup to, artists kind of dudes? Yes. Okay. Very oh, similar. shit, I think I could do that. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you might get some bread in the game. I mean, hey, did we tell you that this podcast is now? <laughs> Look, uh, this is the Patreon. Looks, I think some of this stuff's going to end up on the Patreon. You, you, can get, you can give a little bit, and we'll, I'll come back. And we'll tell you some stories on how it all worked. But uh, yeah, but like so, dating advice from a guy who's been married for twenty years. <laughs> what better advice could you get? Of uh, but of. Uh, yeah, I mean, all these people are like raking in, and like people are paying money for these people to tell them how to behave. Be like, you got to work out, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to. And it's like, man, you are eating all these things up. But like, the number one thing that you're missing is, I think, to your point, Mark, figure out who you are. Because, man, the only the only Alan Aldridge's, well, there was one who's passed away now. He used to be a painter, but this one is. Uh, the best representation of myself. I think it's great. I mean, and to your point, my my piece of advice, seriously, is accomplish something. Do something. Yeah. Do something that you did that your daddy or your mama didn't help you do that has nothing to do with yeah. anything else other than something that you, was difficult for you to achieve and you got through it. There is nothing that makes you feel genuine. And you can't... And the thing about confidence is I don't think you can fake it. But there's nothing that makes you develop that more than more than doing that and, and, that, like, and that can be it doesn't have to be anything great what's that like, got to do with getting some ass everything i think okay. to make yourself attractive to another human being and i mean you're gonna get up there and you're gonna fall on your face it's okay to yeah. eat it's okay to eat and shit. also learn you know i think when i talk to you Not we cover this a lot develop the because the thing i think that's probably universal about the these incel folks is stop taking yourself so damn seriously man yeah, learn how to laugh at yourself lighten up a little bit learn yeah learn how to bust your own balls get around people who are willing to make fun of you in like a you know in a loving kind of way but don't get so pissed off and worked up what are uh, what are like just simple i don't know if you have anything that just i think we've beaten a dead horse now but like what are some goals that you are setting uh yourself up for maybe not a new year resolution but like in the new year, do y'all do that? Do you have something that you're aspiring to do? Well, my last one was quitting smoking, and I managed to do that. Well, I'm sorry about that. No, you're good. Look, look here's the thing. It's fine. Um, I I quit smoking almost a year ago, and that's held pretty steady. And I think the next one is getting into some kind of shape. I got to do something. I mean, I I just I'm 43, and I. I, if I had to run to that stop sign, I would Couldn't, die. Yeah. yeah. What would that look like? Would that be like maybe some MMA or like what do you think? I doubt it would be MMA. I don't think I'd jump straight into MMA. <laughs> um, uh, uh, lifting weights and, and doing some cardio stuff. My okay. thing is, though, like I've said, I've never been what you would call an athlete. I would probably need some kind of help, guidance, and 
someone cracking a whip over me at some level to actually do it. And so I've been thinking about doing that kind of thing. Um, you know, one of my goals was, you can probably relate to this. I really am not happy or myself unless I'm in the middle of like making a thing. And I've been doing a lot of that lately and that's been pretty great. Yeah. So whatever that is. What about about you? Yeah. Man, I've already started working out. Good for you. That's what I tried to do. We were talking about it. I said, you know, I got a, man, I feel like ass just getting old. Even in that 10 years from 30 to post 40. Like, I've gotten to where I felt like ass. Get excited about when your knee just hurts. Just hurts. Why? <laughs> just being 43. And, and, you know, I was always in pretty good shape. So, probably about a month ago, I started exercising. You know, it sounds kind of... So, I'm going to continue that, even though I already started. Because I was like, well, if I start at New Year's, that's just going to be a bunch of trite bullshit. So, yeah. let me go ahead and get going. That way, I can kind of get my motor revved up come January. Right on. Uh, but I'm trying to... I don't know what, man. I'm trying to get back to being more spiritual or something. You know, like you said, oh, I'm the, I'm the real Alan Aldridge, the only one that's right here. I feel like, you know, my real mark, I've like lost. I've kind of lost over a period of time. Sure. And some of that's been uh, having to do stuff I didn't want to do all the time, which sounds like a spoiled brat thing, but it's really not. It's been approaching things that I didn't want to do or that were hard, like doing hard business deals or working on things or having to solve these complicated problems. And kind of doing it a traditional way, the way that society will say you should do it or the way... Hire someone else to take care of it. You know, I've tried to do it go back to the creative way or the way that, you know, I used to approach things, which I think was always more successful for me. Not that it was less labor intensive, it was just more kind of in my own wheelhouse. And, you know, like in my line of work, I deal with these guys and, I mean, they're just a lot of slick operator kind of guys, if it makes sense. Just slick ass, you know... Trying to get one over on you. I mean, constantly, constantly you're yeah. dealing with people that are, and it's a constant fight. It's constant, really, acrimony almost, right? Okay. So, some of it is to try to approach things instead of being like, okay, you punch me, I'll punch you harder. You punch me, I'll kick you in the ball. You know, like instead of doing that, just try to, I'm trying to like learn and teach myself to play a different game instead of playing this, this game that exists now because it's a really kind of unpleasant way of existing. If that makes any sense, it doesn't. It makes sense to me, but I can't really fully explain. This is it. this is one of the hardest working sons of bitches you've ever met. In your <laughs> it's hard life. to explain. I don't it's, doubt it, dude. Look, here's I think, and and we we kind of go out of our way not to talk about his time uh, volunteering for the city of Columbus, but the, I think this story tells you everything you need to know about my friend Mark. When he was volunteer COO, um, there was a significant problem because of labor shortages and things like that getting roadways weed eated you know what he did he weed eated columbus not all of it but some of a it. humongous <laughs> portion some of it. of it i remember seeing him he looked like swamp thing <laughs> but you know some of that is even comes from a negative place man like the negative place is that i can only imagine what kind of dark place that took you to well, like While to, doing it. To me, the negative place is that <laughs> a lot of people, you know, I'm a junior. People know my dad. I go there, volunteer. I'm doing it voluntarily, okay? It was like an $80,000 job. I think they pay the girl now like 100 and change, right? So it's an, a six, seven, eight thousand $8,000 a month job. And I didn't want to take any money. 
Because if you take money, then you have to do what somebody tells you. That's very true. And I didn't want to just be a rebel and be a, you know, a, a just wild buck up there. But I didn't want to have to do the political things that are wrong, meaning operationally wrong for the people. That That's what people want. People don't really care about all this puffery and bullshit that exists. They want that. You know, they want this 250-yard ditch that's full of snakes and shit behind their house we did because they were supposed to do it eight months ago and they never done it. You know, or they want whatever, this thing that's flooding their yard fixed. So I try to actively avoid all that and just focus on the operational things that please everybody. And, uh... How crazy did you drive yourself while you was in that Completely. Completely. Crazy. And running businesses. He was supposed to to do do it for, I think the original idea was he was supposed to do it for, was it one month or three... It was 60 days. Yeah, it was two months. It, it was, was 60 days. Which, which turned into what? Uh, July. I mean, I didn't finally, finally leave till after the first year. I was still doing stuff. It was, it was at least six months. But I left full-time doing it in October. But see, the other... And the, there are a lot of people who would love so for him to come back. A lot of the things... So you quadrupled what you promised. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But some of it was is that also the CFO quit and took another job. And so me and another guy who had been working at the Lyon Water Department doubled on that and did it together yeah he was doing the finance so too. i had to do that and this is some off the of that back too. of all the milton raw stuff oh yeah i'm very familiar like i was watching all that go down yeah so it was just uh and you know my biggest thing and that's my failing in life is i don't want to let anybody down we went on this trip so uh mark bought a mark bought a nintendo 64 was it a 64 about what for the crtv I don't know why I bought that. It was just like a randomly rare TV that we I found. A C- he found a CR TV. I think he he uh, bought it for like less than a hundred bucks. It was fifty dollars. Fifty dollars, and he and I drove to Cl- uh, Columbus, Ohio, to pick it up. <laughs> oh my God, what a trick! <laughs> it was awesome. Um, CR TV for those at home listening who may not. Yeah, be aware. when we picked it up, is that that up, thing with the box on the back? <laughs> it's one of them big old TVs. <laughs> But when we picked it up, the the guy was like, nobody believed that these that y'all were coming. <laughs> he took a picture of us to prove. He said, "I told all my friends, and they didn't believe to, that guys from Mississippi come to pick up this fifty." Super sweet dude, but there was not a there was not a thirty minute period that he wasn't on the phone that whole trip. All dealing with business, de- no city stuff. Yeah. It was in the middle of that. I, it was over the weekend we left, and so they we were people like were five calling, days, calling, and calling. Five it days. was in the fall, and it was after I'd left full time. So it was in after Thanksgiving, I think we went. But uh, you know, I used to say that I never learned anything good, and I I just thought it was a completely negative experience. Which kind of in general, I don't believe that. You know, but what it taught me, and it's something that I struggle with, but I've gotten better at it since then, is saying no. <laughs> <laughs> to learn to say no when people ask you for things is and it's not it's not really indicative of the people that work there or even the political bullshit that I had to deal with at, at some levels sure it was just I think it's fair to say that you get paralyzed at the idea that someone will think you didn't do the best job you could well, shit have. yeah I do yeah I don't want anybody to say that I don't want anybody to say that, that and I then didn't. at some level you have to wonder why the hell do you care because I'm demented. Yeah. 
I, mean, I get it. I'm, I'm, I am very much the same way. I'm demented. I don't want somebody to say that I didn't do a good job. Right. And I don't mind people said I didn't do a good job if I did what I thought was right. If I did what I thought was right and somebody came up and said, you know, you fucked that up and did a really bad job. How much How much do you let, like, your namesake hang over? Like, a lot. I was about to say being a junior. A lot. You know, in a small town. You know, my dad had a big business. He employed, you know, probably four to 5,000 people in the United States. And uh, had a big business that was here, and you know, I don't want to, I don't want anybody to say, well, you did a bad job, and you know, my father's not going to think bad, and he would think bad if I did something, went up there and embezzled money or did something like that. He's the type of guy that's going to say, God bless you, son. I don't know that I would do that, right? But God bless you. I know you'll do a good job, and he would believe that I would, and and if there was any kind of you know, shit slinging that was going on, he would, you know, say that's not true and et cetera. But, you know, I believe in, I really, and I still do, I think Columbus is a, I, I'll tell you a story, Alan. I've told Wade, I don't think I've told on the show, but I was sitting here in Munson's with a guy, big guy in, in one of these big industries out in the industrial park, right? Mm-hmm. And he's talking about moving to Columbus and he's looking around and he says, you know, Columbus has got billions, okay, billions, tens of billions of dollars of, industrial development. I mean, this is in the last 12 to 18 months. Billions of dollars of industrial development. Terrific location geographically to uh, continue to uh, prop up that industry and grow it. Terrific cultural things. It's still got, you know, decent infrastructure. You got good things going on. He said, and Columbus should be great, but it just isn't. Yeah. That's what he said. And that was my thing always is that... Because of all the roundabouts. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) It's just that there's this unconquerable thing that that boils under the surface, which is that in every environment, you got to throw a political bone for something, certain things. Absolutely. And that... But that's true everywhere. That's what I'm saying. In every environment, you have to do that. But you can't throw out all the bones or throw out everything until there's nothing left in the piggy bank. And then on the opposite side, you can't not throw out any political bones or you don't get shit done. And that's kind of where we are. And, you know, what I wanted to focus on in going there was that people have real problems that only their local government can fix. And they're being betrayed by their government. They're not fixing it. They're not fixing whatever this gigantic dish that's behind their house that they should be cleaning out and it's flooding their backyard. Or whatever there is, or these crime issues. I mean, you got people that are held hostage in their houses because of these people shooting guns and acting up. You know, they don't sign up for that. Yeah. So, anyway, that's my soapbox. I get it, man. And and to the point with you and your dad, I I've I struggle with that too. I, I a, love you. Got love, a bit of a legacy upon yeah, you. Yeah, well. yeah. I love my old man very much. Best friend without question. Um, but at least. Especially this time of year when you start seeing folks you haven't seen in a while. I'll get called Mark all the time. Is my dad's oh yeah, all the time. All the time. Um from people who've known me my whole life. And so and trying to um honor a legacy of a, a guy who was and we were very very, very, very similar in some ways and very different in other ways. Um, my dad was an extremely extroverted 
person who was completely joyful all the time. I don't know that he had ever experienced depressed uh, or depression, except maybe around like the playoffs. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that, man. He, he would probably, but he he probably had a way of. Yeah, I mean, sure. Because I mean, you sure. have to, you have to be the flagship for your family when you're the father figure. You can't you can't let your children. I mean, when my mom died, witness. that was tough. But but what I mean is 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 I'm a, you know. I'm really introverted. I'm just good at pretending oh, I'm oh, not. Oh, really? Yeah. You. No, really. Yeah, yeah, really, really. <laughs> I am a. I am a. I'm an introvert who's good at pretending that they are an extrovert, and I fight that all the time, and I fight depression all the time, and I fight this idea that I'm not living up to what he would want me to be all the time. Wow. And I don't think that's entirely a terrible thing. Do you carry that burden alone, or do you think your brothers? Our other siblings, do they feel the same? I can't speak for them. Um, my brother and sister are different people. They're great people, and we get along fantastically. But I do think that there's something to being the oldest where you feel the weight of whatever came before you a lot heavier okay. than maybe the younger siblings do. And and they may feel completely differently, but that's just that's just what it seems like Fair to enough. me. And I think he'd probably agree with that, at least. Um. But I'm really, even though I didn't have my parents for an incredibly long time, my mom died when I was 30, and my dad died about uh, five years ago. I'm really, really grateful I had those two people as my parents, even though they sent me to my basketball game in jean shorts. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because a lot of the things that we've been talking about and we've talked about before is – I've known a lot of people, and my my parents were never like financially successful. They were never um, movers and shakers in any great way. But what they were super good at was fought. But I and so I never. They were super great at fostering a sense of like love and and and, and, and humor. You know, like they were super great at not allowing the things that I think sometimes destroy people to ever bother them. Like, they didn't care if they lived in the biggest house. They didn't care if they had the fanciest car. They didn't care. Those things didn't matter. What's humility? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, you know, my dad's favorite thing to do was to hang out with his buddies. Had and Budweiser's. No, and all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and laugh really, really, really hard. And at the same time, be able to, um, and because of that, because of that kind of capacity, when it was time for him to be serious, people took him seriously, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I'll tell you, uh, like a little bit about, like my goals for the upcoming year is, uh, was something that was realized halfway, like maybe three years ago when I was throwing these festivals and beginning to see success with the Port Stop podcast and with all the endeavors that I was beginning to see myself as a mover and shaker in culture. Yeah. Is uh, I am spiritual or religious or however you want to see it. And I prayed to God and I asked him if that he would see fit that if I could bring to my community and even abroad, something beautiful, something that hadn't been done, something that could be celebrated, something that 
the community could rally behind and uh, hold as their own and be proud of, allow me to do that in whatever iteration. And so I continue to look for different ways to be creative along with the podcast, with the festivals, even in like the idea of having a book or of by Kate Medley. Or yeah, or like with with the record or whatever way it is, is I'm so sick of brutalism when it comes to architecture. I'm so sick of pop music when it comes to music. I'm I'm so sick of just it's it's all mundane and boring and I, I just want something new and I want I want something people to be able to rally behind and be like this is ours it is completely real it's tangible and there's nothing like it in the world so I you am, want to create a movement yes yeah okay and I'm so cynical most of the times but I believe everything that just came out of your mouth and I and 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 I am typically uncomfortable being that straightforward but i believe in you. i believe you i believe that's what you're trying and to do like i'm 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 continuing to make those strides make those steps and like seeing it being realized and then how can i press harder how can i how, so how, cool. how can i continue to step into this i mean like hosting this open mic i've been doing it for well over a year and it may not mean a damn thing to most people but it, it means a lot to me because this is an outlet and also it inspired other singer-songwriter open mics that we now have in Tupelo, and we just had one spring off in Amory. And that was because those guys came here and saw that and be like, oh, well, we could probably do that there. It's like, you got a bigger town in Tupelo. Why aren't you already doing that thing? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And so, like, even with, like, podcasts, man, like, I've had people come on my show, and, like, they started podcasts, and I was like, that is the way. Here's one right now. <laughs> yes. I mean, this, I mean, like, there's a joke, like, I've several podcasts that sprung up. There's one in Philadelphia, Mississippi. There's two, three, four here in town now. Like, the Podfather, Porch Daddy. Uh, that's my nicknames now and all that. And I was like, man, that's, that's so funny. But, like, that's part of the mission statement. It was like, yeah, I, I want to, like, continue to build my brand whatever that looks like but also it's not about me but like to have people collaborate and come alongside me and help me with yes we can yeah we, we can we can move and create our own culture and we can we can celebrate like the best of us and i'm, I'm so sick of the mundane and the mediocre it's like let's rise above this we can do better and we should and i'll be damned like God bless me. I believe we can. <laughs> I, I appreciate the hell out of that, dude. Yeah. That's and that's what I'm... Uh, also, I got fitness goals, too. I mean, I've, I got to get moving on that, too. But, like, my God, dude. Like, I am so sick of the stagnation of this American culture. It's like, we need new things, and we're so capable. Like, we have 8 billion people on this planet right now. More people on this earth than ever. So, therefore, we have the human potential to do so many wonderful things rather than fighting amongst ourselves whether it be religious or political why can't we not celebrate and lift up these great ideas that we have space stations whatever I don't don't care music festivals I don't care like let's do something great 
and move and move toward that like and having these conversations like we're, we're telling stories from the past and like what made us who we are and getting our teeth knocked out or whatever else but like how many people listening probably can relate to that in some way or another i hope they can i i because it ain't always rainbows and butterflies no it didn't always rainbows and butterflies but what i, what I think has been a consistent thing is we've talked about over the course of this conversation some you know getting your teeth knocked out being a thing and what what, what have we done relentlessly is we've laughed about it mm-hmm. we've taken these things that have been difficult and traumatic that i guess would be very easy to hang your your hook on uh this is why i can't and said you know this is a no i can use that, i can use that, i can use that for my game yeah because that's part of who i am yeah and fuck it, make fun of me. I was that toothless baseball player. Yeah, make fun of Alabama. me. Make fun of me. I, I probably wasn't the only one. They probably called you gummy. They did. <laughs> Papa. Right. You know? But yeah, dude, here I am. Here I am. I'm still moving. I got life in me, and dude, like the prayer I made, you know? It's like, God, help me. Well, I, however anybody chooses to do it, would encourage everybody to make a similar prayer promise to themselves, whatever it is they talk to, whatever they want to do, as long as you're moving towards something that is not only just relentlessly positive, but is also not just about yourself, but about doing something that can express the humanity in everybody else. And I think sometimes this culture gets so damn cynical and so focused on self. And I believe in the cult of the individual. I think that's the only way you make everybody else move forward. But at the same time, let's start talking about what we have in common more often than we talk about how we're different. Amen on that. What do you think, Chief? Amen. I don't think you could sum that. I think you need to put a pin right there. I think right there. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to um, Porch Talk. And you plugged yours. Well, I was going to I, I said I was going to Possibly see irrelevant. <laughs> probably irrelevant. Probably irrelevant <laughs> and possibly entertaining. That was very close. Uh, probably irrelevant, possibly interesting. Um, Damn it. It's okay, dude. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I'm sorry, Alan. Wade, that I You did great. You did great. I butchered the name of the show. It makes it better on the way It makes out. it better. Um, <laughs> thank you again for, for doing this. You're hey. helping us out a lot more than we're helping dude, you out. <laughs> thank you all, man. Like, dude... Let me come back and hang out with y'all. Or like, y'all, y'all, come on, y'all come on my program. Please. Yeah, we love to do that. We love to do that. Man, this is this has been a blast. Cool. Oh man. yeah. Well, anyway, guys, have a great new year. Um, and uh, like he said, keep everything positive. Uh, you can reach us on info at what is it again, Mark? Probablyirrelevantpodcast.com. That's info at probablyirrelevantpodcast.com. Have we gotten an email from them yet? He doesn't know. <laughs> Haven't checked. <laughs> Haven't checked. But we will now. We will now. Um, and, uh, you know, rate, review, all that stuff. Regardless, love to you and yours, and uh, we'll see you around next time. Bye, guys.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.